Welcome to another episode of the Peak Potential Success Show. My name is Fong Chua. I'm an entrepreneur, business strategist, real estate investor, speaker, and also a best-selling author. And every single day, I help others unlock the potentials and guide them to succeed. Today, I have another amazing guest. This is somebody I see online all the time, but it was only recently that I got to meet her face-to-face, and she is just an amazing person. Had a great chat, and I had the honor of being on one of her shows. And we just have a lot of fun chatting with each other because there's so much good like-mindedness there. So it's amazing. And I'm so happy to have her her here today. Uh, She is a certified CBD educator. She's an author of the book, uh, Truth About Hemp. Uh, CBD. And also, not only is she, is she in business and all this other stuff, but she's also a vocalist for the Blue Moon uh, Gypsies, which is absolutely phenomenal. And she's also a songwriter as well. And, and the host of From Ground Up. So please welcome entrepreneur artist, a confidence strategist, a hospitality and business consultant, the fabulous Carmen Milagro. <laughs> Well, that is the most wonderful introduction ever. You're hired. <laughs> thank you so much. It's it's such an honor and a pleasure to be here. I really appreciate it. And thank you. Hello, everyone. Great. Thanks for your time. Um, for, for people who don't know exactly what you're focusing on right now or what your main passion is right now, uh, tell, us, tell, tell us what you're working on. Sure, absolutely. Uh, so business-wise... I am a CBD educator, as you mentioned. A lot of people ask me what that is specifically. And what I found is that there is this really a huge divide in people's understanding of the difference between hemp CBD and cannabis CBD. So one of the things that I have pledged to do is to help bridge that educational gap because It's preventing a lot of people from actually using something that potentially could ease their life because of misconceptions, misinformation, and a lot of, how shall we put it, uh, a lot of misguided advice. Mm -hmm. So business-wise, that's what I do. And then I've also created a skincare line, which I incorporate hemp CBD into. So that's the the professional world that I'm really focusing on right now. I do still have clients that I coach, et cetera, et cetera. And then the personal, as you mentioned, I um, just recently started getting back into music. And so at 57, I am starting from the ground up, little plug there, uh, but I'm building a new band. We have been together for a few months. We started during the pandemic. I actually hadn't been singing or writing at all. In fact, I was sort of, um, I would say derailed in the music world, in my creative world, uh, since I lost my mom eight years ago. So she's kind of the reason why I became a CBD educator and created the skincare formula but it also stopped me from singing for a while. Mm-hmm. Now I'm doing what I know she would be really excited that I'm doing again. Well, congratulations on that. Uh, lots of people are saying, oh, it's, it's too late for me to start this. It's too late mm-hmm. for me to start that. Uh, you're, you're working uh, even now com- coming up with new stuff and uh, jumping into the performance area, which is not an easy thing to jump into. So uh, congr- congratulations <laughs> on that. Thank you. I appreciate it. Now, tell us the the story of how you transitioned from one thing to another thing, and where did you kind of start? Oh, sure. Um, 
I did like many people. Um, and it's one of the things I, one of the other side projects that I love, you and I have talked about this before is I love coaching and mentoring young people. And one of the things, in fact, I have a coaching session with one of my latest men, you know, mentees, um, and we're going to check in on Friday. But one of the things that she questioned was, do I go into entrepreneurship? Do I, st- I don't have an idea, but I want to be an entrepreneur or do I get a job? And I said, you know, for me, the way it worked out is I worked in the corporate world for many, many years before I became an entrepreneur. Now, I, I've always had the entrepreneur or entrepreneur mindset within the corporate world. I, I was one of those people that always ended up creating my own job description, my own position. Um, and so for me, it was sort of that, why wouldn't I want to learn the business acumen on someone else's dime? So I suggest that to some of the young people that I coach, if they don't already have ideas and plans and all of that, you know, I I coach both. In this particular case, it was sharing my experience of being in the corporate world. First, I was in the hotel business. I went up the ranks, became a manager. I managed, you know, million dollar budgets with a team. Then I left that after many years and I didn't know what I was going to do. So I took a year off and, and traveled, went to Australia, learned from people in a different way, learned about different options and, and businesses and companies and, and careers in a different way, just by like what you and I've talked about, right? Talking to other people who are successful in all these different areas. And then I jumped into, well, not really jumped into sort of accidentally found my way into project management during, well, I've already told you my age, so this is all relative to when it happened, but during the dot-com boom in Silicon Valley, I ended up working for, of all things, an office furniture manufacturer. Sounds really, really boring, but it was actually that my ability to create my own positions. I had a great job, you know, but this is where the entrepreneurial part really took hold of me because, you know, Fong, as you know, when you're working for other people, your talents, your skill set, it's helping them grow their wealth. Mm-hmm. It's helping them move their business forward. And, you know, not to toot my own horn. Well, yeah, I toot my own horn. I'm very, very good at organizational and project management skills. And I started thinking after a few years of, and don't get me wrong, I was very well compensated, you know, being that young back then, six figures, working for someone, you know, expense account, all of that, travel, you know, expenses, all of it. But I was working 80 to 90 hours for someone else. And then one day, I don't know if it was, I just got super clarity or I was just really tired. But I realized if I'm going to be doing this, working this hard, this long, and making someone else wealthy, why wouldn't I do this for myself? And that was really, it was my late 20s. And that's when the, I didn't know what I wanted to do yet, but that's when the seeds started taking hold. What was that uh, transition like? when you jumped into, okay, I'm cutting ties with the corporate, I'm going to go on my own. 
how, how did you get through that hump? You know, that's such a great question because I haven't thought about that. And it's, it's coming, like I can feel the emotion about it. That's such a great question. Um, it was one of the most difficult transitions that I've ever gone through. And I've, I've had a few, you know, life has a way of throwing a lot of different, um, you know, asteroids at you. And this was one of them because at that time, I didn't know about the coaching world. I didn't know about this whole other way to gain knowledge and be coached by other people who have gone through it. So I didn't understand when I'm, even though it was my decision and, you know, I'm going to backtrack a little bit into it because, you know, you and I've talked about efficiency. I, my, the way that my mind works, I was, I said, okay, I don't want to do this anymore, but I don't believe in being a starving anything, starving artist, starving entrepreneur. So how am I going to do this? So I planned this out. It was very, it was my business plan to transition out of corporate. That's how I looked at it. And I paid off all my bills. I saved, they, at that time, they said, if you could save up two years worth of your salary to live off of, to, you know, to not be stressed about finances, then that was a good start. So I did all that. In fact, I actually saved more than that. And I, I said, you know, on this date, I'm turning in my resignation on this date, da, 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 da. And so I thought I had it all planned out, you know, project managed. But what I didn't factor in, and you probably know this, this is probably why you've asked the question. Um, I didn't factor in the, the emotional, spiritual, and mental component of transitioning out because all of a sudden I didn't have the job title. I didn't have everything that went with it. And I'd lost my identity. Mm-hmm. I had been, you know, in the hotel business and project management office furniture. I was very clear on who I was professionally. And now unbeknownst to me, I didn't know that I was going to have, it was a, it was a really huge psychological shift and it had nothing to do with being confident of whether or not this was the right decision for me. I knew it was, but I would say it took me a few months to start creating a new professional identity and the confidence to do that. And the steps that I took were more um, you know, sort of mindfulness training, really getting into uh, meditation and introspective work. And then I did find someone that, that who coached me and worked with me and she was brilliant. She was a lifesaver, but it, it was really difficult mm-hmm. to, to create a brand new identity out of I, uncertainty. I just didn't know. Yep. So that taught me, you know, it's to have someone help you along the, the way is so key. Mm-hmm. Right. Now, you mentioned a few times that you were, you were very, very confident in your decision. Yes. Right. And you knew exactly that is what you wanted. Yes. How many people within your circle of influence told you not to do it? Everyone. <laughs> except for one. Uh-huh. Except for one. And that was my mama. And, and how did you push those naysayers away? Um, you know, that's another really good question because that has, has 
up until now, we're talking 30 years later, that's always been one of my challenges. I am um, very connected to my friends and my family. Like I tend to, I'm a nurturer, I'm a caregiver. You know, I am the fixer. I'm a project manager. I fix things. I anticipate problems. I have solutions before anything even happens. Um, and so that was another thing, though, that kind of took me by surprise is I knew that I didn't want to be surrounded by negativity. I only wanted to hear that it was possible. I didn't I wasn't asking for guarantees. I just wanted to hear outside of my own head and my heart that it was possible, that anything's possible. Um, to be honest, I didn't, it's not like I pushed them away. I just tuned them out. Mm -hmm. And I only listened to the one person who said to me, since I was born, anything is possible. And I was taught that from this most amazing spirit and this most amazing person, that was my mother. She taught me about being confident, but she also taught me about humility. And, you know, she had a saying and she would repeat this all through my life. You are no less than anyone. Therefore, you can accomplish anything. But you're also no better than any other human being on the planet. So have compassion and empathy for those around you. And so that's that's how I grew up. And it was because of her. I had to tune everyone out. I didn't, you know, I didn't uh, cut ties I just didn't want to talk about it with them because I knew what their answer, you know, or their comments were going to be. And I just didn't want to hear the chatter. Yeah. Well, for everybody out there, uh, that's a very, very, uh, that's a very, very important thing that we need to kind of learn to do because having, it's not like those people are, are saying it because they're mean or they're, they're, uh, they want to put you down. They're there for support. Yeah. They're there to protect you. Right. But they don't know what they don't know. Right. So trying to tune that out is something that we all have to work on uh, so that we can achieve the things that we want to achieve. Okay. Now, at the very beginning, you talked about uh, being the expert in the hemp industry and the CBD stuff. Um, there's a lot of, as you mentioned before, the stereotypical mindset of what that stuff is and how it affects people. And I know certain cultures and certain people within my own family are like, that's wrong. You, you don't do it, <laughs> right? There, it's drugs, it's bad for you. Uh, people who do it are bad and all that kind of stuff. So tell us the top three myths about that industry so that people could go, oh, that's what the reality is. <laughs> that's a great question. I get that asked all the time when I'm doing the presentations. I would say the number one myth that people think about is that hemp CBD is a mind altering plant. And it isn't. So there is a difference. So the best way that I know how to describe it is um, you can have a Granny Smith apple and a red delicious. I don't know if that's what they're called, but let's, there's a red apple and a green apple, right? They are both apples, but they are completely different, different taste, different texture. They're cousins. So that is the difference between the cannabis plant, which does contain THC in its in its stock, in its uh, in the plant itself, it does contain THC. That is the mind-altering component. The hemp plant, however, has less than 0 0.003. So it there are minute traces. There's no question about it, but it is not 
at a level where it, it causes mind altering uh, situations. So that's the number one myth. Uh, the number two myth that I would say, and a lot of people just don't know this, but they're perpetuating the myth is um, it is plant-based medicine. We as human beings are born with endocannabinoids already within our system. It's the system that runs our lymphatic system, our immune system. So those systems we all know help keep us healthy, right? What fuels that system is your endocannabinoids. Now, when you're born, I'm gonna use the full glass analogy. When you're born, it is assumed that everyone is born with a full glass. As you get older, so maturing, so aging, environmental uh, factors, stress, nutrition, uh, lack of exercise, that's going to begin to deplete your endocannabinoid system, your endocannabinoids. And the only way to replenish that is by ingesting or using products with hemp CBD, because that is the, the, the way to replenish your phytocannabinoids. So phyto is your plant-based cannabinoids. And the only plant that has that is the hemp plant or the cannabis. Now I only focus on hemp because I'm gonna talk about the third myth, but I just wanna finish this is in order to replenish your endocannabinoids, which means within your body is by using your products with phytocannabinoids. So that's myth number two. And myth number three, is this idea that, uh, now I just lost it, <laughs> is this idea that, oh, that um, everyone can use cannabis. It's a plant. You know, that's a lot of people's uh, statements. But the fact, the reality is 20% of the population is actually allergic to the THC in the cannabis plant. I happen to be one of those people, which is why I can't speak to something that I don't know about, that I don't use. I don't speak on the topic of cannabis CBD because I can't use it. I'm allergic to it. So when I found this out, and yes, culturally, you know, initially there's a lot of resistance in the Latino culture, the current, the modern day Latino culture, I want to say that, um, because people just don't have enough information. But if we go back, hemp CBD and cannabis, these plants have been used for thousands of years in the Chinese culture, in the Latino culture, the native indigenous cultures. It's not something that is this modern day, you know, um, bad thing. If you really study the history and I, and I write about not in depth, but it's, it's a guidebook. You know, what I wrote, I wanted to cover these points in a pretty succinct way, just to get some of this information out and correct it. So yeah, those are, I would say the top, maybe four, I gave you four. Minutes. <laughs> <laughs> now, what would you say is the type of person who would benefit the most of uh, hemp CBD? Well, it depends. So first of all, as we all know, whatever it is that you take into your body or put onto your body, everybody is different. So I would say 
usually the most requests that I get for what I'm doing with my products, it's a muscle serum, basically. I get a lot of requests from athletes, construction workers, and women who are trying to take care of their elderly parents. Because what I've created is the combination of four all organic natural ingredients. And it's really the purpose is to soothe achiness. So if you're receptive to hemp CBD and the other three combinate, you know, the, the combined ingredients, it will help relax your muscles. Now, again, everyone's different, but that's probably the number one thing that a lot of people look to hemp C the hemp CBD world is for relief of, you know, aches and pains, like repetitive motion issues, um, athletes, because they're looking for something to help them prevent soreness and also aid in the soreness. The second thing that I would say a lot of people uh, look to CBD either or for relief of anxiety. A lot of people, if you are working, for example, with an integrative doctor an integrative medicine and your regular doctor, they can figure out combinations to help relieve anxiety using one or the other, hemp CBD or cannabis CBD. And it's usually the combination of, so the number one thing that we always talk about is make sure that you are talking to your health professional. The third thing, you know, issue that people I think uh, request help on is probably sleep. There's a lot of people that are looking for ways to help them sleep better and they don't want to take over-the-counter drugs. Again, you want to work with your nurse, practitioner, or someone in the medical field, hopefully with an integrative doctor or a CBD educator or there's CBD advocates, mm -hmm. um, and you figure out what works best for you. And the most important thing, I can't emphasize this enough, to try to do this on your own is probably not a good idea. You mm -hmm. In this area also, there are CBD coaches, there are CBD educators like myself that are willing to, to give you the information, whether you use my product or another product, the, the, the passion and the purpose that I have for this is the education component. Mm -hmm. Now, sometimes there's that misconception, misconception where, uh, where you get your information determines what you do. So for instance, when it comes to real estate, when it comes to businesses and all that kind of stuff, we rely on the banks. We go, what's the best way to invest? You go to the bank and they'll give you their product. They'll go, this is the best way, but it may or may not be the best way. Correct. Right? And same thing in your industry, yes. they'll go to their pharmacy, they'll go to their doctors and they'll go, well, you should take this drug. You should take that drug. And they go, you know what? Okay. That's what I'm going to do because that's what the professionals have told me to go with. Right. Okay. What would you say is one of the most important things that needs to change in order for it to be more well receptive by the public? Honestly, I'm going to put it back on the public. I think that the number one thing that's going to change is if people, let's, let's talk about the business side of all of everything, every product, right? Every new product on the market is marketed and branded. We, this is what you do. This is what we talk about in business. And I think in my opinion, we become a society that is so willing to accept marketing speak as the truth about a product. And we've been conditioned to forget that it's their job to sell a certain product. So 
when you're looking at commercials or you're reading ads or you're scrolling on your phone, if you don't question that, then, I mean, that's their job. They, they want you to click. They want you to buy the product. I think we, as the consumer, we need to take back that responsibility to do some due diligence. Um, I'll give you a perfect example. I, when I first got into this business, I was trying to figure out where am I going to get this hemp CBD oil? The, I want the best, the purest, the cleanest, the not, you know, non-GMO. Or I was very clear on what I wanted. Um, and I reached out to 57 different com uh, companies throughout the U.S., 57 the majority of them, if they answered, which was about 39, if I recall, they did respond. And all they sent me was their marketing material, right? Yeah. Da, 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 da. And I was like, okay, but A, you didn't answer any of my questions. So then I, I, long, I went through a very in-depth search and I ended up with, out of 57, seven actually had a conversation with me. Now, of those seven, a lot of times they weren't answering my questions. They were just giving me more information. It was a deeper dive. They did have a conversation with me via email, but only three answered all my questions and met my criteria. Now that took a lot of time. It took a lot of energy. I know that most people aren't going to be that analytical about things, but a little bit of that, do your research. You know, it's really important to not just take the, the company's marketing message as the gospel truth. Mm -hmm. So I do think there has to be some ownership and that is starting to happen. And especially in the, in the world where people reside and they, they have been doing this for nutrition. Those are the same types of people that are going to dig deep a little bit. Um, I will say that when you do this and you contact the manufacturer and you say, I would like to know what's in this product, you know, send me your certificate of authorization. They must provide that to you, mm -hmm. right? So if someone says, I want to know what hemp CBD oil you're using in your product, can you send me? I, absolutely. Here it is. That's wow. what I would do for mm -hmm. anyone. But other companies, if they're not willing to give you those documents, I would question. <laughs> and, and wow, 57 different calls. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if many people will go past five. Right. right. So for, for everybody out there who's looking to, to speak to somebody, jump right to Carmen here. She's already <laughs> done all the research. She's already gone through 57 of them and limited down to three. So uh, definitely somebody that uh, you have to speak with. Now, you're, you're not just business, you're not just all this other stuff or analytical, you're also very creative as well. Uh, you're a songwriter, you perform as we talked about before. Would you say that having that ability to perform on stages, to sing and be creative allows you to become even a better uh, business person? 100%. And the reason I say that is because in my opinion and others as well, there's a lot of people that are on the same track with, with us because you're creative too. Um, I feel that being creative, it allows you to see things and create solutions, find solutions, 
Um, it allows you to attack challenges and problems in a, in a multi-dimensional way. I will say to you that since I started my band last December, so it's been a year now, and you know, we have to remember we had to be creative because we weren't able to meet in person. So we were trying to do rehearsals via Zoom and there's a three second delay. So you can imagine the chaos that was. Um, but we got really super creative and we figured it out. And um, but ever since I got back into music, and I will say I I took a very um, different approach than when I was singing previously with my other band. I just wanted this band. I didn't want to jump into songwriting. I didn't want it to be uh, stress. I wanted it. I, a, I wanted it just for myself and my music partners. And I wanted it to, the number one goal with this was to have fun. It wasn't really to go on the road or go on tour. Not that we could during these times, but it was just to just get together and Instead of meditating for a couple hours, this was my meditation now. But when I started this again after eight years, it completely changed the way that I work. Again, it brought me back to how I used to be when this was a regular thing in my life. And I realized it makes me more efficient. It helps me in my organizational. It helps me in my approach to everything that I do in business or coaching or mentoring or whatever it is that I'm taking on by being fully engaged as a creative person. Now, there's going to be a lot of people out there who goes, but I'm not creative. So yeah. how, how would, what would you recommend people do to start expanding their creativity? Because everybody has a creative side to them. It's just maybe locked inside a part of their brain that hasn't been really expressed yet. So how would you guide them to unlock that creative side of, of the brain? Well, it's, it's, it's really interesting because I do get this quite a bit from the young people that I work with. And I always say there is something in there. Like you said, there's something in there. It's a matter of sort of, um, you know, the best analogy I can give is you've got five minutes to get ready. You're about to meet your favorite rock star and you just found out you've got five minutes to go get ready and you're pulling all these things out of the drawer right you're like trying to find the outfit and you've got five minutes if you start doing that and just try different things something if you can make a list of if you had free time if you had all the resources in the world what would you want to do would you want to paint would you want to garden would you want to um do ceramics, like what is it? And then just start sort of going down that path. Curiosity to me is the first step in becoming creative. Mm -hmm. Maybe you want to be a writer. Maybe you've got poems inside of you that you've just, you know, you put them in this arena. And first, I think you have to, let me backtrack. You have to remove that idea that you're not creative. Because if you say that, repetitively, as we know, if you say that all the time, then you won't be able to discover it. Mm -hmm. So number one, get rid of that negative speak. Stop saying that you're not creative because you are you, and or you want to be. So start, you know, just frame it in a different way. Mm -hmm. Then lead with your curiosity. And I think usually 
I would say most of the time it leads you to that creative outlet. And number three, I would say just enjoy it. Find the joy in even just the curiosity part, but find the joy in the search for it. And when you find it, immerse yourself in that feeling of being this creative soul, whether it's making jewelry, whether it's being a hairstylist, what, there's creativity in everything. It, I think a lot of people confuse the word creative with like job descriptions or roles that we play. Creative, you're creative in real estate. You're creative in the way that you coach someone. You're creative in the way that you speak. You're creative in the way that you dress. So if those are the things that you enjoy, then maybe that's the path that will lead you to this beautiful, fun, joyful discovery of creativity. Awesome. Very, very well said. <laughs> now, I got two final questions for you. It's going to be a little challenging. Uh, due to okay. the fact that you've already given so much and so much great tips and advice already. Um, best advice or coaching advice that you've ever gotten yourself? Oh, wow. There's so much. Um, I would have to say the best advice that I got was do the deep dive and do the work because the coach can't do the work for you. They can lead you down this path and give you the advice and the guidance. And not too long ago, actually, um, one of the best coaches that I've ever had, her name is Katie Kay, she wanted me to go dive deep and do really, really deep introspective uh, work about my relationship with finances. And that I would have to say was the best advice. One of the best tips that I've ever gotten is really dive deep, like to when you're young, because if you don't know what that trigger or, or maybe it's an uncomfortable relationship, something has happened early on in your life, which defines your relationship with finances. Once you figure that out, it doesn't mean that it's going to stop it from triggering you, but you're aware of it. Yep. And that was just brilliant for me. Cool. And then if you had the world stage and everybody's going to listen to your one message that you want everybody to know Carmen by, what would that message be? I would say, you know, like I tell the kids, um, you are the only human being that is you. There is no one else that is your uniqueness that has your, well, they have your DNA if you're related to someone else, of course, but they, no one else has your, your, your soul DNA. So embrace it. And have the confidence to be who you were destined to be. You know, get out of your way. Don't use negative speak. Just, I know that a lot of times we all need reinforcement and affirmation that people love us and support us. Of course. But not everyone can give that to us. So what do you do? You have to give it to yourself. You have to see yourself in the mirror for the truly magnificent human being, this unique soul that is you. And from there, 
anything is possible. Awesome. Good words to learn uh, to live by. I, I think the saying is also uh, be yourself because everybody else is taken. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, that was much more succinct and efficient. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, five quick questions for you before I let you go. Okay. Uh, first question, you're stranded on a desert island and you get to pick one food to eat for the rest of your life, no consequence. What is that one guilty pleasure? Dark chocolate. Dark chocolate. Uh, Hollywood calls and says, hey, we want to write a biopic on you. Who would you cast to play you? Ooh. Oh, 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 okay. Um, I would say, oh my, that's a tough one. I would say Salma Hayek. Awesome. So Salma Hayek shows up at your door and go, hey, I got casted. Uh, I need to know more about you. I need to get to know your in your secrets, like little, little, uh, 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 what do you call it? No gestures and all kinds of stuff, <laughs> uh, but I'm hungry. So then now you have to prepare your special dish for her. What would that special dish be? Ooh, I would say that would be my split pea soup. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Um, your Monopoly calls, and they're going to make a game called Carmonopoly. <laughs> what are the four tokens that people can use to, as game pieces that represents uh -huh. you the best? A microphone. Oh, geez. <laughs> a microphone. A spatula. <laughs> this is a tough one. <laughs> a spatula. Um, what is it called when you're gardening? Um, oh my gosh, I'm totally drawing a blank. A watering can and a paintbrush. Awesome. And my last question is, what is success like? I got four items here. Give me a number between one to four. Ooh, this is fun. Uh, two. One, two. So how is success like a pelican? <laughs> Whew. Uh, success is like a pelican because you need to be able to be prepared with everything that you need to travel the long distances that it requires. Very well said. You have awesome. to be equipped to do that. Great, thank you very much. So <laughs> those, are, those are our fun questions. <laughs> uh, any last words and also how do people reach out to you? Oh, sure. Um, the best way to reach me would be via my email, which is carmen at davina.store and the last thing that I would like to leave you with is, I, I, you know, I always go back to this. If even if you don't have someone in your corner, you've got the best person to be in your corner, which is yourself. And don't forget that because wherever you go, there you are. Awesome. Well, thank you very much for your time, your stories, your tips, your advice. Uh, I had a lot of fun and I know we could go on for a longer time, but the um, <laughs> next time, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Part two. <laughs> awesome. So for everybody else, she is Carmen. My name is Fong Chua. Until next time, today is the day to lock your peak potential. We'll see you later. Thank you. Bye-bye, everyone. <laughs>